0: You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Well, good morning, Kingsway family. Morning. I can't believe it's almost been four years since I've been here. It's starting to feel like home for me. It really is. I, I had a lady where I used to pastor for 30 years in Vincennes, Indiana, said when they'd come, she'd come to church, She felt like it was just one big family room, and I'd bring a Bible truth. So I hope you all feel like one big family here. I really love my staff, brothers and sisters, and I look forward to every week coming to hear from Pastor Matt. Do you? What a gift. What a man after the Lord's heart. Wow. You guys are blessed. I hope you continue to pray for Brother Matt. How many of you have ever wore a pair of shoes that were too tight all day or had a shirt collar that was too tight? At the end of the day, what do you wanna do? You just wanna get out of those, get rid of those. Well, you know, some of us have a view of God that needs to be enlarged, that it's too restricted, that we need a little bit A larger view of of the Heavenly Father. And so I want to pray right now that God would do that for you today, that he might open your eyes to see him in an even greater way. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, you know that we've been praying for each heart that's sitting in each of these seats today, even before they came. And my prayer, Father, is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would enable us to grasp how wide and deep and high the love you have for each one of them is, the love that surpasses all understanding. Open the eyes of their hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says to pour out your heart to the Lord, trust him at all times. It's hard to pour out your heart to somebody that you struggle to trust. Uh, People come to me all the time and say, I don't trust anybody. I said, oh, really? They said, yeah. I said, did you use your brakes today when you came to see me? Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, you trusted your mechanic. Did you go out to eat this week? Yeah. Well, you trusted somebody didn't poison your food. Every one of you that came in this room sat in the chair. What did you have in that chair? you had faith, it would what? It would hold you. So we all trust to a point, and I get it. They say, yeah, but it's, it's, it's the deeper things that sometimes we struggle to trust in. And that's why you need to know that God is not only a good father, but he's a good shepherd. And I was reading this past week, or a week, couple weeks ago, where it was said that sheep cannot rest if one of these four things or several of them are true. If they have fear, if they have hunger, if they have friction among themselves, and if there's predators. And I put them all as Fs. If you have, fe- if you have fear, if you have famine, if you have friction, and you have fleas. <laughs> it's, hard. it's hard to rest. One of the prayers I pray is, with David and I pray for you is this. Teach me, O Lord, your ways that I might rely on your faithfulness. We need to understand the ways of the Lord. So Moses tells the people in the Old Testament, God's people who have been brought out of slavery, who have been mistreated for many, many years. He says, I want you to look back over your life and I want to remember how God led you. And I would ask you to think about your life and how God has been with you and led you and maybe you're just beginning that journey. But this is what he says to them. We find in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, he says, God led you into the wilderness and he caused you to hunger. Who did? God did. God caused them to go without. God brought them to a place where they didn't know how they were going to make it. You ever been there? Where you don't know how you're gonna make it? You don't know how you're gonna make ends meet? He, God brought them there, it says, into the wilderness. And the wilderness is where he does his most important work, but his most difficult work. Because you see, out in the wilderness, they didn't have Kroger's. There was no Costco. There's no Meijer. There's no refrigerators. There's no freezer. Do you know there are people, brothers and sisters today around the world Our brothers and sisters, the same way. They have to live each day by day. They don't have those things that we have. Maybe there's some of you in this audience or online that find yourself in that position. Why did he do that? It says, and he taught them to, he gave them manna that neither they nor their fathers had ever had manna. And they would go out and they'd get just enough for the day, for each day, and on the sixth day they were to get enough for two days. If they tried to hold on to too much, the Bible says it turned into maggots. God was teaching them. What was he teaching them? God wants us to learn dependence on him. He says he was teaching them that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. God does not want us to trust in your 401K. It's not about your retirement. It's not about the stocks. That's not where God wants you. He wants you to trust in his promise. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. If God can lie, let's go home. It's what are you trusting in? But God is such a good shepherd, and he's so gentle. He understands where each of us comes from where maybe many of you can relate to today, where you came from. I was counseling a young man who said that his stepfather thought this was discipline, that when one did wrong, they all got punished. But what he would do is he took food away from him for the whole day, he didn't feed him for the whole day. And he said, I was a slight built and I can remember in my bunk bed, I was just, my head was hurting, I was confused, I was hungry. That was not discipline, that was abuse. And now he's having to learn, how do I trust the heavenly father who may make, allow me to go without, to teach me something, and to believe that he's a good father? And I was talking to another woman who told me where her dad abandoned her when she was little. And then two marriages where the husbands both thought of themselves and, and threw her away She texted me and she said, Lyndon, I hate being needy. I don't want to depend on someone. I don't want to be rejected. My neighbor in Vincennes was a World War II vet, grew up in the Depression, and he told me he's a pretty rough guy. He said, When I was 12 years old, I had to leave home because they couldn't feed me. I was on my own from 12 years old. It makes you pretty self-reliant makes you pretty much where you learn to trust in yourself. As a kid growing up, I grew up lonely. I remember walking home, going into a house all alone. I was just a lonely and and sad kid. And I was so glad when I found out the Bible says that God sets the lonely in families. I love the church where I was and I love Kingsway as I'm getting to know more and more of you and more and more family from all different ranges. One of my favorite friends, I had the privilege of leading a man to Christ at his wife's funeral, Buddy. He's an older gentleman but he's like my closest friend and now I'm knowing his family and seeing his daughter-in-law who's doing a ministry here who did the baptism today to see young people coming to Jesus Christ. It's awesome. God, what he's doing in this church. I was um, at a Devo with Matt on Tuesday, and a young man who I'm doing their wedding here pretty soon, he comes up to me and he's crying, and I'm thinking, oh, no, they broke up. Oh, no, they fell into sin. No, he's crying because they have a friend who they feel like is deceived and got caught up in a false teaching And they're gonna continue to fast and pray and meet with them. And I call him up afterwards and I say, how did it go? And he's heartbroken. He said, you know how Matt talked about Moses hitting the rock? I think we did that. Oh, what a heart. What a humble heart. What a teachable heart. And I said, remember what the Lord taught me. Jesus can put the ears on you cut off. But oh, I have to give a shout out. There's a couple people that have come here today from the ministry. I preached at a little Castleton church before I came here for a year and a half. And there's a couple here. And one of the ladies here is 95 years old and she is a prayer warrior. I'm telling you. Man, what a gal. She texts me all the time and says, what can I pray for you for? I remember when I was there and we, she was sick and taken in the hospital to do an ambulance. She's praying for people when she's in the ambulance. Praying for people outside of the ambulance. Oh, just to see the work of God. God wants to put the lonely in families. Then I remember one day I came home from school and I was 16 years of age, and my middle sister was there, and she was crying, and she had bruises. I said, what's the matter? She said, somebody at the apartment where she was seeing her friend came up this kind of railing, and I don't know how they did it, and and beat me up. I said, get in the car, we're going. We went to the apartment complex. I'm out in the parking lot. I'm screaming, get your blankety blank out here. I'm gonna beat your blank. This is a preacher's kid. And I'm thinking to myself later on, I shouldn't be doing that. I should be my dad. And I remember crying out to God one day and saying, Abba Father, I'm struggling to trust you. He understands why you struggle to trust him. Why, it's difficult for many of us, but he wants us to depend on him. We read in the scripture about a king named Asa, who started out real well, but didn't end well. And this is what we read. It says, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with the disease in his feet. And though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. I had a friend of mine that was a missionary in Africa and he said, we, I had an Africa brother, African brother come up to me one day and say, brother, you know, you Christians in America, when you get sick, you go to the doctor or we have to go to Jesus. Now, obviously, I'm not advocating don't go to the doctor. My son's in ER. I'm not advocating taking medicine. I've had NyQuil plus Jesus. Okay, so I'm not saying that. Don't don't hear me right, okay? I've been doing both, but we know who's the great physician over the physician, who's the judge over the judge, who's the wonderful counselor over the counselor. It's where your eyes. Who are we looking at? My sister, I've been walking through with her a difficult time. My brother-in-law is in prison. And she says, it's tough, brother. Because now I have to work more hours. And I have to deal with the shame. And not only that, but now not only do I have to clean the inside of the house, but I have to do the lawn mowing and all those other things. And I have to take care of the car. And maybe a lot of you, maybe at a... Relate to that if you've lost a mate or you're single and you're on your own. Have to do it all. And the other day, <clears throat> she got hit and totaled the car. I called her and I could tell she was frantic and she was just trying to get everything. i getting online, trying to figure out what's the best kind of car, what she ought to do. And I said, sis, do me a favor. Would you just wait this weekend and just pray? don't try to figure it out on your own. Don't light your own fires. But you just give God an opportunity? She said, okay. And she called me on Monday and she said, Linden, and guess what? I said, what? My best friend's husband called me and he hooked me up with a Christian car dealer and they're giving me $5,000 to add to what the insurance didn't cover. She said, he is a man of providing God, is he not? (laughs) Hallelujah. He's so, so good. And I think, though, a lot of times we have an attitude, when I was a little boy growing up in Massachusetts, my mom was trying to teach me how to tithe. And and so after they gave me a dime for picking blackberries, and she goes, are you going to give God a portion of that? And I said, why? He didn't pick any blackberries. This kid, you know, it's true. I think a lot of times we can have that independent attitude. Why, it's mine, I've worked for it. And we need to have an attitude of humility. We need to be able to pray the prayer that says, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and what? Disown you and say, who is the Lord? where I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And this is why we pray the prayer and that we say, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each this day our daily bread and forgive us as we each for, uh, forgiven those that have sinned against us and lead us not into temptation. I want you to notice it's a family prayer. It's for those that have been born again because it doesn't say, Give me my bread. Give what? Give us. So, what does God want from King's Way? He wants us to learn how to entangle our lives with one another and to love and become a family and love each other by sacrificially giving to meet the needs of each other. When Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, there's a proverb that I like that I have to work on myself that says this, he who trusts in himself is a fool. Anybody here ever been a fool? He had to teach the disciples to guess what? Not trust in themselves. And so as crowds were going and following him and they would often for days and Jesus with the heart of compassion, he, he had, he, no, he knew they were hungry. And so he looks at his disciples and he said, you feed them. And it says there are 5,000 men, so that means there are 20,000 people. <laughs> Us, feed them? When he says that, is that is it a joke? No, it's a trust. It's a test. Where did the disciples look? They looked to themselves. You know what they came up with? They came up with a boy with a lunch. Guess what happened? Jesus took it. Guess what? The boy gave it. And you know what this Bible says afterwards? They all ate till they were satisfied and they picked up 12 baskets full. Let me ask you, what do you think that boy went home with? You think he went home with just a lunch? No, I don't think so, because look what the scripture says. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You want a spoon? Give a spoon. You want a shovel? Give a shovel. Measure you give. I guarantee you that little boy went home with a whole lot more. I remember going into the bank one day and I went up there to tell her that I knew her and she said, hey, we got 0% loans. Might as well get a loan for yourself. Have some extra cash. I said, no thanks, I don't need it. She you can't take it with you. I mean, it had to be the Holy Spirit. Boom, right away it hit me and go, but you can send it ahead of you. You can send it ahead. Don't lay up your treasure where here where moth and rust and thieves can destroy, but lay up your treasure In heaven. I was reading about a a, a man who said his grandmother, she loved to play board games and she would never go easy on the grandkids. (laughs) Never. I mean, she wanted to win all the time. Anybody have a grandma like that? She wanted to win and she loved Monopoly. And this boy said, I dream about the day I can beat grandma in Monopoly. Oh man, she kept clocking me. But one day I finally got, I think it's boardwalk, right? And park place, you know, the two at the end. And I had houses and, you know, and hotels on it. Woo! Grandma's coming around and she landed on it and I wiped her out. Woo! I beat grandma. I'm jumping up and down. I will beat grandma. And as soon as I got with done being so full of Jubilee, She said, now, John, just remember one thing. At the end of the game, it all goes back in the box. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, at the end of our life, where does it go? You can't take it with you. The scripture in Acts says something incredible. Listen to this. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. I don't believe that God intended that to be a special time in the beginning of the life of the church. Do you? I believe that's something God wants for all of us that call upon the name of Jesus. Why would they consider none of their possessions their own? Because they knew that Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, these words, he said, you cannot be my disciple, you cannot, unless you give up everything and follow me. I don't care what you claim to be or say, he's saying if you do not give up everything and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. So I ask you today, is it your stuff or is it his stuff? Are you self-reliant? Are you self-trusting? Is it Jesus' that He can say to you, "Give and you give," let go and you let go. Growing up as a kid, I used to love to hear about the Book of Acts, but I, I think why don't I see that in our day? I just love to see some of those amazing things that happened, and God. I just wished my faith had been really increased and pushed in a way to realize that you can do immeasurably more than all we can ask and think. I I, I wanted that. And so as I began to raise my children, that's what I wanted for my kids. I wanted my kids when they would have an experience of growing up in our home together, that we would experience God's greatness and God's goodness and God's faithfulness and they would learn that it's not ours, but it's his. And they would learn that we are to share and open up our hearts to those in need and to give and to see God do incredible things. And so we had in our church a man who married a woman from Guatemala. And her mom periodically would come to visit her. And her name was Mommy Doris. And one day I went over to the house to visit them. They cooked me Guatemalan food. I loved it. Mommy Doris was crying. I said, what's the matter, Mommy Doris? She said, we uh, have a bookstore in Guatemala, and if we don't come up with $4,000, we're going to lose it, and that's our livelihood, Lyndon. My heart was broke for her. I'm like, Lord, what do I do? What do we do for this woman? And one of my heroes of faith, if you've never read of to. his name was George Mueller. And George Mueller was a man who took care of thousands of orphans in England in the 1800s, and he never asked for a dime. He only prayed. He prayed and prayed and the amount of times that God provided in unbelievable ways that built such a confidence, such a trust in him, in what God's word said in his love for the orphans. And so I went home and I got my kids together and we would often have our time together in a Bible truth and I said, kids, you know, Mommy Doris is really hurting and I told him the story. I said, I'm gonna pray that God will provide for her and I'm not gonna ask for anybody to give us anything, I'm just gonna pray. Are you in? Yeah, they're kids, okay dad, sure. I'm not kidding you, that very day, I go to my men's Bible study and a friend of mine comes up and says, hey, Lyndon, Cheryl and I, we normally get Christmas gifts for each other, but we're not gonna do it this year, we got 100 bucks. Do you know anybody could use it? Well, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I go home and I say, hey kids, guess what? Got 100 bucks. Next day I go. Into my office and I'm counseling somebody. Doesn't even go to our church. Same thing, burden. Said, Lennon, and I just God put a burden on my heart to want to help someone. Thought you might know someone. You know anybody? Uh, yeah, I do. I go home, my kids. Guess what? Woo! They're starting to. Their little faith is starting to grow. I said, you know what? I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna ask God for something else. We're going to ask that God will provide from somebody not just in our church, somebody in our town, but somebody out of state to tell, call, and give. Are you game? Yeah, Dad. Yeah. So we pray. Week goes by, nothing. Another week, end of the week, I get a phone call from a young man whose parents had split up, and she came to our church. and. I had the privilege of discipling her two sons and they went on to be in the Marines. And Joseph called me, he said, Lyndon, he said, I just re-enlisted in the Marines and you normally get a pretty good bonus. And I thought, who could I give this to? Who could I help? And I thought, Lyndon would know somebody. And I thought, I'd call you and see if you knew anybody. Can you imagine when I went home to my children? And Wow, kids, look what God has done. And God raised all 4,000 through prayer. And we had a banquet and got everybody together that had been a part of giving in prayer and brought Mommy Doris and gave her that money. And to see her cry and say, Lyndon, This has restored my faith in God. That's what I want to be a part of. That's the kingdom that God has called each of us to be a part of. Martin Luther King said something. Listen to what he said. If today's church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, It will lose its authenticity. It will forfeit the loyalty of millions and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century. Do you want to be dismissed as just a social club? I don't. I believe that God is on the move at Kingsway. I'm telling you. I believe it, but I believe with the Apostle Paul when he would say, "Love one another," but he'd say, "Now love beller." We get together today to do what? To spur one another on to what? To love in good deeds. And so this morning, we're gonna have a song called "Run to the Father." And in that song, it's talking about I've been carrying a burden way too long that I wasn't meant to carry alone. You know, Peter, when Jesus went to wash his feet, what did he say? No way. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. You need to see where today, if God's calling you to repent, repent. Repent is not just a feeling, it's a conviction where you have to acknowledge I'm too self-reliant. I lean on myself, I trust in myself, I'm my own provider. Where I'm not really pulled into the church of Jesus Christ. Where I'm not really entangling my life with others. And there's a song called Tear Off the Roof. And it's about getting our friends to Jesus. And there's a line that says, I didn't come here to hide in the crowd. I got a faith that goes beyond the bleeding. And it's a woman who for 12 years never got better. Went to all kind of doctors. But she finally realized, I need to go to Jesus. That he's got the power. He's got the ability to change me. So I want to encourage you. You can do it where you're at. But God is willing to call. He called people that were crippled, called people out to take a step of faith, to be like Hannah and come up here and cry out to God and repent and acknowledge God. I need to surrender all to you. I need to lay everything at your feet. I need to be more a part of what you're doing and your kingdom, and I want my children to come to know God in that kind of a way. So this morning, Hebrews says, today when you hear his voice, you know the Lord's got a voice, right? He says, behold, I, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. He's a gentleman. He doesn't beat your door down. He gently knocks. But he says, if you'll open up the door of your heart, if you hear me, I'll come in. I'll fill you with so much love and so much joy and so much purpose. He alone has taken away this little boy's loneliness. He alone has filled me in such a way and given me such a family. I love God's people. I love the kingdom of God and what Jesus is doing. And so today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't resist the Holy Spirit today. Don't grieve him. You may have come and you were gonna come and you went away. There are those moments, those calls on your life that come. I can know many times when I've sat out in the audience and I know God was speaking right to me as though no one else was around. It changed my life because the word of God is powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It speaks. So today, I just encourage you to respond to whatever the Spirit of God is calling you to do this morning.